Thank you for joining us on this episode of Truly Medicine. Josh and myself are very honored to be able to listen alongside you and learn more about these incredible stories. Today on the podcast, we have Sammy Diffie. Sammy has struggled with undiagnosed GI problems from about the age of 10. Additionally, she has struggled with depression, anxiety, panic attacks, self-harm, eating disorders, suicidal tendencies, and more for as long as she can remember. Sammy has also overcome many addictions, and she attributes most of her well-being to her medical cannabis use. Welcome, Sammy. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, um, cannabis has been a huge part of my life. I got a long list of issues you just listed off there. Well, I think that's a long list of issues is something that we, I think we all have, at least in the cannabis world. Anyway, so you're, you're in good company for sure. Oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sammy, uh, tell us a little bit about, I mean, we, we, we did talk a little bit about um, some issues that you had early on in your life. Um, do you want to kind of talk about those a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, um, from what I can recall, about 10 years old, um, I really started getting some feelings about myself that weren't positive. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel um, whole. I didn't feel like I was a person I was supposed to be. And um, being so young, that's kind of a weird feeling. Um, didn't really ever feel super comfortable talking to my family about it so I started to um, self-medicate and like you mentioned eating disorders and self-harm and suicidal ideation that started at a very young age and not really knowing how to place that being so young you know you you start you start trying to figure out something else that works for you and drinking started for me about I would say about 12 years old and um, it it went on from there. Yeah. So the the drinking was that introduced as something you know more fun, like from an adult, or was it something that you purposely so was, used to kind of get away from that feeling at that age? So it. Yeah, it, I mean, being that age, it, my my parents, they, they struggled with addiction themselves. My great-grandparents, it, it, I come from a long line from Generational that thing. age. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, having that and... Um, they they were very, they hid it a lot. They hid their drinking. So I was really curious about that, and you know why why is it such a big secret? And so it, it kind of started out experimental. You know, this is after eating disorders and cutting. I just kind of wanted to see what the escape was. I mean, my my dad was heavily addicted to alcohol and several other things. So he would seclude himself. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe he's figuring something out. Maybe he's got something going on there. So I, I started drinking to fill something else at that age. And uh, that intention of um, masking and hiding those ugly feelings um, that started started very very young for me sure and so if I, I guess if I'm hearing you correct you you kind of almost felt that it was working for your father that 
that maybe the drinking was a way that was actually helping him with Correct. his issues? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, say again? Yeah, no, I, I was just agreeing with you that, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely difficult for a kid who, you know, at such a young age is dealing with those things and they kind of feel like that what their parents is doing is working. You kind of feel, you know, that you are kind of headed down that right path. You know, it's something that's right. culturally acceptable, I guess, kind of sometimes is where, you know, me and James land on things um, is that, you know, you do see people doing this everywhere and. If it's working for them, then, you know, maybe it'll work for me. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I was, I was, I was looking for something to, to answer why, you know, I felt that everyone else was this hard on themselves and, you know, this, you know, negative towards themselves and, like you said, they, it seemed like they had it figured out and, you know, they were living Christian lives and living this good, you know, perfect life. But at the root of it, you know, things were actually really falling apart. And I didn't see that for probably about another three or four years. Right. Um, and so how old were you, I guess, in relation to this, because a lot of people do kind of, I guess, you know, with alcohol and with cannabis for that matter, um, kind of it, they hit that crossroad in their teen years. Um, and so how early did you ever have any, what was your first experience with cannabis? So my first experience with cannabis, this did not come until I was 15 years old, far after I ever started drinking and smoking um, and self-harming. And um, it, I was always very negative towards it. Um, I, I was very hard against it. it. Again, coming from a religious background, that was a big no-no. Um, I... I um, I had some friends and they um, they introduced me to cannabis and they they didn't really have the in, the right intentions of using cannabis. Obviously, we are 15 years old, but sure. um, it once I opened that door, things things were better for me. I in some ways I was starting to realize that I was doing these other things to cover up all of the stuff that I was trying to, you know, press down and um, numb myself from. And that that also helped a ton with my um, eating disorders and my stomach issues. So hand in hand, I was able to smoke cannabis and I would have an appetite. And that was super, super helpful for me, um, of course, until my mom found out. And (laughs) (laughs) that was not a fun experience, you know. (laughs) Trying to explain the medical benefits pre-788 from a 15-year-old. I'm sure it wasn't. (laughs) Not something that your mom was buying, I'm sure. But it's interesting to me that... Definitely not. What's interesting to me is that it's put in the same category as cutting. Absolutely. Um, and and so, you know, for that... Um, Subculture. It's a bad way to deal with things. You know, this is this is something that um, the cannabis patient is, is dealing with. I mean, will continue to deal with and has dealt with is that it's put into that same category. And, and, and it needs to be talked mm-hmm. about. Sure. Um, 
it does. I, go ahead. I really see. Uh, I I really do see cannabis opening up. You know, so much for so many people in so many ways, and um, and we're like you said, it's it's put into that like self harm category. Like you are doing this horrible thing to your body, and and you start you know digging into it and then it's a plant you know it's natural it's your body is actually made for this and Mm -hmm. you start seeing those everything coming together and your that homeostasis that your happy place in your body cannabis is a huge part of that yeah and and you know to go back you know i on what james touched on as far as the way culturally it's kind of looked at. I've got a daughter who recently turned 21, um, so hit that drinking age. And I told James that day, I looked at her feed on her social media and I found it kind of baffling how many people said happy birthday with an emoji of champagne glasses, beer mugs, things like that. And it was completely okay, but had my daughter, you know, say if my daughter was dealing with an issue and went and got her card on her 18th birthday and posted that, how many people probably would have unfriended her? Um, said that she was doing drugs, you know, or something to harm herself back to that self-harm type of thing. And I think it goes, you know, especially when we're all searching in this world for like what you said, homeostasis, homeostasis and balance. It's terrible when we kind of find that thing and then we're shunned for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, exactly. and you know what? Exactly. And not to over, <laughs> but, you know, you're trying to help yourself in turn help everyone around you and you're you're slapped with a label of uh, with a black label of potheads <laughs> stone yeah and and, it, <laughs> yeah. and it's um, so uh, I'm so happy that you came on so after you um, had your experience with cannabis you you dove back into alcohol at that point or Yes, yeah, so um, about that age, um, I, my parents, my family did not know about my eating disorders, the cutting, the drinking, until I was 17. Um, I, I, after my cannabis experience, these friends introduced me to a lot more things, um, you know, ecstasy, inhalance, things like that, and that on top of the drinking, um, it, it really took off, and um, when I turned 17, I was having a really rough time dealing with my father, who was, um, you know, getting DUIs, public intoxes. You know, I was having to take care of my little brother, and um, I I was admitted to a psychiatric ward um, when I was 17, and um, I my family finally realized that there was something going on with me. And at that point, I didn't, I didn't want their help. I, I had it figured out, you know, if we have it figured out. I was almost 18. Right. And, yeah. Um, I, I left my hometown and I uh, moved to Broken Arrow and I finished school up there and I continued to drink and fill that hole um, of, 
you know, not being able to fix my father, not being able to fix my happiness. And it always came back to drinking. And that was always my, my, my weakest weak spot. Yeah. And it's something that's easy to go back to because again, society accepts it, um, you know, and, and all of that that goes along with it. But, um, you know, I get your story. I, I come from that that same poisonous um, uh, addiction, and so going back to that uh, is it's hard to explain to someone that's not addicted. But we we all know that that the ones that are addicted, it's very comforting. It's very comforting to go back because it's so hard to yeah well that's that's your self-defense defense mechanism that's i mean it's so easy to go back to and and again and that's why i said the word when you started sammy was generational you know there's so much of the way that we deal with problems sometimes that is not of our conscious mind it's not something you know and it's not an excuse i'm trying to make um but it's patterns that we see throughout our lives and sometimes it's repetition that you know is never talked about so it becomes our habits and you know i think that you're you know uh, i think we're all kind of examples of that kind of generational thing so it is tough even tougher for you further generations down the line to break that curse yeah, and to to finally feel um, that that was my my job was to break that that curse, sure. uh, the generational curse. And uh, again, right. not uh, on top of everything else that you're dealing with. Then, of course, you're dealing with that. Um, mm-hmm. So and so something that you know um, when James. Um, and I were talking about you coming on something that, you know, with my experience with drinking, um, I'm also a year sober in March. Um, and I want to say congrats to both of you guys, too. Um, you guys are both a year in as well. So um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, the things that I had read about cannabis users um, and kind of relapse. Have you had um, I, I know that you had talked about when you were younger. Um, and then went back to drinking and obviously doing great now. Um, do you feel that it's kind of helped as far as managing cravings and things like that? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, whenever I realized that my drinking was becoming a problem, I started thinking about why I was drinking and that intention. And I looked at cannabis and a lot of people around me is would say, you know, are you replacing the alcohol with cannabis? And for me, my intention with cannabis was not to forget, not to numb, not to lose myself, but to be more self-aware mm-hmm. and to heal my body and to relearn new things about myself. And that's I I couldn't do that without cannabis. I. I my hardest days whenever I was even 150 days in I would drive by a liquor store and just in that 
pit of my stomach. Just, I yeah. just want to drink. I just want that one bottle. And it's so easy for me to go in there and no one know that I'm, I'm fighting my battles to keep, keep getting these days, you know, keep moving forward. And it's, I, in my head, I knew I had cannabis and I knew I could breathe I, and I could remember exactly why and meditate on why I was doing what I was doing and why I am, I committed to my sobriety. You were present, finally. You were in Fine, the, exactly. You were in the moment dealing with something and that, you know, back to the stigma thing, that's something that I love about cannabis users is that we get this kind of the stigma that we're always fleeing and I have never been more present in my problems <laughs> you know since I stopped drinking I, I, I am always yeah. so in the moment me and too. I love it me too it's it's uh, I, I agree with you uh, and that stigma of <clears throat> you know the non-cannabis user is going to look at what society has put on you to tell you what a cannabis user is and you know, we want to just sit in the couch and be. Yeah, sometimes I do want to sit in the couch and be lazy. <laughs> you oh, ever had a bad Monday? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I also use cannabis as a, a. It helps me focus. I mean, it helps me work on myself. It makes me. It doesn't make me. It helps me look at uh, all kinds of issues. Take a little self inventory. Yeah, not just physical. Yes. You know, so that's where. Um, I hope uh, you know. I hope something comes from that. You know. Sure, absolutely. Sure. So, so now, if you want to kind of hop back in, Sammy. Um, so, had moved back or moved away from town. Um, if you kind of want to pick up there. Yeah. So I moved away. Um, I <clears throat> excuse me. I uh, graduated in 2010, and um, I picked up on a uh, some pain pills and I struggled with that drinking again and my father was going through a meth addiction at this time so again I was getting that connection back home I grew up in Tahlequah and so I was between here and there you know trying to mother him and I just let myself get really really deep into drinking and pills and um, I had a suicide attempt and um, it did not go well uh, it was a um, it wasn't what I expected I wanted it to be you know something that opened my eyes whenever actually it was just everybody around me just harping on me and condemning me and you know saying that you know your life's not that bad and you know I I just I, I, I felt so empty and the relationships I was in did not help the situation at all and it he, that relationship allowed me to continually drink and have that cycle and um over probably about five years, I had a couple attempts or um, self-harm instances where I hadn't for a few years. And, of course, I was using cannabis throughout that. And, you know, it would help with the stomach aches. It would help with the headaches and all of that stuff. But um, that wasn't 
where I, you know, it's like we were just talking about, I, I wasn't ready to be present. Sure. I was not ready for that intention of, um, taking myself or holding myself accountable. Right. You are. I mean, I mean, you know, I guess for lack of a better word now is you weren't medicating then. Right. Um, Correct. Sure. Um, and I mean, I, I think, you know, I think that a, approach to cannabis, I think, is a big thing. And I think that that's a perfect example of it is, I mean, I, I completely agree that it can be can't. The beautiful thing actually about cannabis is it can be pretty much whatever you'd like it to be. Um, it can be microdosed without psychoactive properties. It can be just the CBD side of the plant. You know, I mean, it's such a versatile thing. And I think it all, it, it, I think that your experience especially says about how multiple approaches showed you multiple results. Exactly. I mean, it all around, it's, it, it, my body needs it. And that's why I, I I really want people to come in and I'm, I'm really open about my sobriety and, you know, my past and stuff because it brings a um, sense of comfort for some people that might not have ever thought about, you know, being open about these things. And I could sit there as a bud tender and say, hey, you know, what what kind of symptoms, symptoms are we dealing with? Uh, alcoholic cravings, are we dealing with uh, nausea? You know, there's so many things for people that are seeking sobriety that cannabis can provide for them. Like you said, it doesn't have to be psychoactive. One huge thing for, um, you know, people recovering alcoholics um, is CBD. It's getting your body back right with CBD and taking your CBD. That's You're going to be healing everything. Your body needs that. Yeah, and and waking up that endocannabinoidal system i'm a i'm a i'm a huge proponent of that you can't shock it you know walk into it you know there's there's no need for grandma or for anyone for that matter to be completely stoned out of their mind the first time that they're actually trying to medicate with something and you know working in the dispensary also i think that that's something that we don't see enough of so i love that you do that is that when you're medicating with this we don't always have to be talking talking about being stoned Um, because you know, Mm -hmm. people who have had their lives changed by this 90% of the time are, they're not talking about being stoned. They're talking about medicating. They need help. (laughs) Yes. They're talking about the beautiful things that is brought to their life. The relief that they have. The, um, I think one of my favorite, favorite moments as a bud tender was this lady. She's probably 91 years old and she came in there. She, and I, I had microdosed her out, got her very, you know, small amounts. And she came in there and said, I have never seen colors so beautiful. I could finally just, you know, <laughs> that's great. Relax. And, you know, you could see it in their eyes. And, like, that's what the cannabis culture is about is, you know, bringing that to other people and that connection and that healing. And, Those, like you said, it's not about talking about being stoned and hashtag right. 420, whatever. Well, and it's those light bulb moments. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally agree. And um, I'm so happy that um, you yourself uh, have done so well for yourself. And um, 
uh, just makes Josh and I. I know I know Josh was very happy to talk with you, and and um, very happy that you came on as our very first. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it was it was something. The first? That, oh my gosh. Yes, and and you know so this is something I didn't run by James earlier, but an idea that we can all maybe agree on here is I would love to do this next year. Do this again when we're all still sober. <laughs> we're all, you know what I mean. I, I wanna, I would love for this to be kind of our inaugural, maybe annual <laughs> thing that we're all checking in with each other. And I know that we will throughout the year as yeah. well, but that we're all still healthy and you know, cannabis warriors. Which I, I, I thank both of you for being those for sure. I'm in. <laughs> I'm so so in. Love so it. In. Love it. Well, Sammy, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we exit? Um, I don't believe so. I just I, I appreciate you guys giving me this opportunity to talk to you about my experience. I know I didn't get super far into my um, the sobriety journey, um, but I, I like Go said I'm a year and a month into my sobriety, and um, I kind of took an unconventional approach. I went to the uh, secular organization of sobriety for my meetings. I did a couple of those, and I got myself an app, and I talked to everybody in my family about and friends and coworkers about my sobriety, and that I kind of did a little bit different. And I, that's I really, very cool. Um, I, I believe that we're each individuals in our journeys and I, I please, please reach out to me. Um, Oklahoma inside gender on Instagram. If you have any questions or, you know, AA kind of scares you, whatever. Um, I feel you on that. I'm here for that. Yeah. I, I, that's something I, I was the same way. I was a, I'm a very, pig-headed stubborn man um and it was one of those things i was going to do it on my own terms if i was going to do it and i didn't want to be in there chanting with the group and things like that and i'm, I'm not i'm not bagging it either so i hope nobody takes it that way but it just wasn't for me right. and i i think that's awesome sammy because i sometimes i kind of felt alone in that kind of school of thought for sure and yeah. I, I think that's awesome and there and every everyone has their own you know, way uh, of help. And there are many, many ways out there. So if you are battling an addiction, please reach out. Absolutely. There is help. Um, I mean, call me. Yeah. Reach out to the show, whatever. I'll I'll do whatever I can. I I promise you that. So, uh, but we do want to uh, let our listeners know that if you feel that uh, this podcast is something that you would, you think that would benefit others. And if you would consider the possibility of changing someone's life that may be in need, please share this podcast. This podcast is for the patient. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Thank you, Sammy. Sammy, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you guys so, so much. I appreciate you. 